This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Thanks so much for tuning in today, friends. I am endlessly grateful for you taking the time out of your day to listen to each and every single episode that you tune into. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do if you find this episode helpful and please share it on the socials because I can almost guarantee you that today's topic will be one that you find incredibly helpful. At least I hope so because this is going to be one of the the top habits that I would say my clients have the most difficulty with, and that's meal prep. Meal prep, seriously, it is one of the most overwhelming things for most of my clients, including myself when I first started on this journey years ago. And it it takes some time to develop it as a habit because it's hard. It can be extremely overwhelming, overwhelming AF, in fact. And that's really why I'm talking about it today, to help shed some light on on really how easy and simple it can be because it's not nearly as daunting as you think it is, especially once you get into the groove and you really get used to it and you really just, it becomes second nature for you. Now, the key word here is simple. It may not always be easy, especially at first, but the goal here is for it to be simple because simple gets done. The more complicated something is, the less likely it is to get done. So why the hell are you trying to complicate stuff? (laughs) Especially when it comes to something that is already innately very overwhelming, especially if maybe you weren't necessarily taught how to cook by a parent or someone in your family or someone close to you. Maybe you weren't given those skills. Maybe you didn't have that class that was available in, in school in middle school. And and who the hell remembers what the heck you did in shop class in middle school anyways? I mean, seriously, or not shop class. I guess it was like home ec, right? I don't even remember. I, I remember learning how to use the stove. I remember learning how to stitch. I mean, stuff that honestly you just don't learn uh, or you don't retain because you're not actively using it day in and day out, okay? So I know we all come from different upbringings and I want to hopefully make this fairly simple and, and less complicated uh, for, for most of you. Now on the other end of the spectrum, there is 100% no reason at all for you to make every single meal a five-star five star dining experience. You know, I, I mean, look, I'm a foodie through and through. I love really good food. And I used to work in a restaurant industry years ago when I was in college And it's also, it's actually also how I made my living shortly after I graduated from my undergrad degree. And I have friends who own restaurant chains here in Denver, as well as in North Carolina, back where I I did do go to college and things like that. And the restaurant industry is very near and dear to my, to my heart. And I love just good quality food. I do love going out to eat, uh, here and there. And and really just making it more of a like fanciful event. But please, to make this simple, save the massive effort for fancier meals for the weekend or for more special occasions or for dinner or whatever meal it is that's important for you and is more special to you every day. 
So please try to abandon the five-star dining experience unless you're obviously a cook or a chef and, and that's important for you to kind of have that creation for yourself at home. But I think, you know, average human beings, you and I, for the most part, we don't necessarily have to do that, okay? There are definitely tips and tricks for you to, to make those meals a little bit more fancy uh, at home if that is important to you. But seriously, just try not to make it a very detailed meal day in and day out, okay? And also, last but not least, before we really dive into these three useful tips, I want you to remind yourself that meal prep and meal planning are two very different things, okay? Let me say that again. Meal prep and meal planning are two very different things. Meal planning is strict and you will feel stuck. Today, I'm I'm talking a little bit more about meal planning, which is a simple way to batch prep a few things together and make multiple meals out of those set ingredients throughout the entire week without getting bored with dry ass meat or protein or dry ass, I don't know, rice. Okay? Because really no one wants boring food. And I know you you might not want, you know, every meal to be fancy either, but the more boring it is, it's going to be a little bit more monotonous, might just become a little bit underwhelming. So while I'm trying to not overwhelm you, I'm also trying to not underwhelm you either. I'm really just trying to find that middle road that will keep you well fed, keep you fueled, keep you feeling good and ready for those bike rides and all of the adventures that you're doing in life. Because that is why it's why I'm doing this. It's why I'm coaching. That is so important to me because I, I have personally felt the difference between being underfueled and just, oh God, not performing very well on bike rides or at races or just in life, period, to being well-fueled and not really having to think about things and overcomplicate things when it comes to food. You know, food for me is very easy for me to put together a meal. Do I have, you know, endless energy to prep food and, and, and bulk cook things? No, not, not necessarily. I mean, I get, I get frustrated with meal prep just like anyone does. Right. But I know what to do and I know how to make it simple. And, you know, so does my partner and together we just try to keep it as simple as possible. Okay. So let's dive into the tips. There's three tips here that I'm going to share and I'm going to dive in, you know, with each little step to make it as as congruent and as simple as possible, okay? All right, so the first one, simple. I just want you to pick one to two days a week to prep food for about an hour each time, all right? Could be less, could be more, totally up to you, depending on the food and the ingredients that you do get. But why I'm saying not one day, you know, because everyone does meal prep Sunday or meal prep Monday, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Two days is what helps you fit things in. So that way you're not prepping for like three, four hours at a time, which sometimes can feel pretty overwhelming. So again, pick one to two days a week to prep food for about an hour, maybe two hours each tops. And I mean, I'm thinking like there are definitely ways for you to do it in an hour each, okay? And this is the time that you're setting aside when you will batch prep the living hell out of the staples that you will pick, which I'll talk about in a minute. The the caveat here is don't pick the wildest days in your schedule. Instead, pick the easiest and the most less hectic days for you or the least hectic days for you, I guess I should say. Twice a meal, twice a week meal prep 
is so much better at keeping the flavors good, at keeping your food fresh, minimizing, you know, any type of food-borne illnesses, and also the cooked vegetables are less soggy. No one wants to eat watery and soggy-ass vegetables. (laughs) Nope, 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 nope. Don't have time for that. Because vegetables are already innately bitter to the human taste and to the human palate. So you're just adding to the, you're reducing the appeal of the vegetables by just having them try to last for a week. Okay. Um, now again, pick one to two days a week and I'm saying, you know, aim for about an hour each. And when I say an hour each, really, you're going to be, you're going to be kind of chef style. You're going to be kind of cook style, like in a kitchen, like in the restaurants that I used to cook in, you're going to be you know, maybe baking some potatoes while you're also baking some chicken or beef or whatever your protein of choice is, which we'll talk about in a minute. You're going to be doing those things at the same time. And then on top of the stove, you're going to be, you know, steaming some rice or steaming some broccoli or other vegetables. And then, then after the chicken is done after 20 or so minutes, then you're going to pop in some roasted vegetables and that's going to be 20 minutes there, you know, to cook 20, 30 minutes to roast those. So while the chicken is cooking, you're prepping the other things. So please know that you can meal prep in an hour or less. You know, my partner, Grill Wizard. She is a Grill Wizard extraordinary, extraordinary rather. She's from Kansas City, so grilling is kind of like in her blood. Um, she'll spend about 30 minutes or so grilling about, uh, she grills some salmon at the same time. Uh, and then she also grills chicken. Of course, she doesn't grill the salmon with the chicken because that would be kind of funky. Um, but she does grill the salmon, the salmon last. So always grill and cook seafood last just because that's going to have a little bit of a different flavor profile and smell profile. And you don't want the rest of your food to kind of smell and, and, and take on those flavors and the smells. So yeah, she cooks the thighs, I think for like 12 minutes, 15 minutes. I don't even know. I can't even remember. I have it written down on a note. Uh, yeah. I mean, seriously, you can do this. And while this stuff is on the grill, guess what we're doing? We're inside. We're steaming some broccoli. We're steaming some, you know, rice, quinoa, whatever. The other thing too, is you can keep these things, uh, simple by, by choosing better ingredients. So choosing frozen rice, for example, it's already cooked. You just have to reheat it. I mean, there are so many ways to go around it, but first things first, before I get carried away, cause I get so passionate about this. I just want you to pick one to two days a week for you to prep for about an hour each. Now having an instant pot or an air fryer or other tools like that, slow cooker, that's going to save you time, especially the slow cooker. Cause honestly, you can just throw in a bunch of stuff. You can even throw in, here's a, here's a quick and easy slow cooker recipe for, for like a protein of choice. Say you, you like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say pork. Uh, chicken's the most common thing, like chicken breast, chicken thighs, whatever. Thighs are going to be superior in taste because of that, the fat content and just dark meat in general. But you're going to put some chicken in there, put some chicken breasts in the bottom of the crock pot, right? Cover it with like a chicken broth, put it on low for four hours, boom, or high for four hours, boom. Uh, I'd say at about three, three and a half hours, check the temperature, make sure it's cooked to about what, 160 to 170 degrees, make sure it's cooked through, you know, so that way you're not getting yourself sick. Um, and then you're going to shred it, take two forks and shred the chicken while it's still in the, the chicken broth. And then boom, you have, you have chicken right there. You have shredded chicken. 
and it's going to be perfect. And you didn't have to do anything except literally spend probably two minutes taking the chicken out of the package, putting it in because you don't really have to, you don't have to rinse chicken. I, I know I'm probably going to get hate mail for that, but you really don't. I understand culturally if that is important for you to, to rinse the chicken because I dated someone who was very adamant about rinsing chicken before cooking. So if that makes you happy, fine, just do it. It'll only take you another minute. Um, but you're going to get like, you know, splatter all over the kitchen sink, but wh- whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking about that. Just put the chicken in the crock pot, cover it with, you know, some chicken broth. Literally that takes like less than three minutes, but I just want to show you how easy and how simple some of this stuff can be. Okay. So that's step number one. Just pick a couple days a week, aim for about an hour each day. And what's bonus is when you're cooking, guess what? You're also cooking your meal that you're going to have right then and there. So yay, save time. All right, tip number two. This is the most important, okay? Uh, pick two to three staples. You will prep for each category of a meal. The categories include protein, non-starchy vegetables, carbohydrates, also known as starchy veggies, and fats, okay? Okay four categories. Again, protein, non-starchy vegetables, carbs or starchy veggies, and fats. So here's the thing. If you don't like eating what you cooked, you will 100% not eat it. Is there a lie in that statement? I mean, did you hear a lie in anything that I've, that I've said in the last minute? Probably not. So why should you prep foods that you don't like? Why should you subject yourself to endless days of grilled chicken and steamed broccoli if those things aren't really what bring you to eat those meals and and make you enjoy those meals? Now, I freaking love steamed broccoli and I love salads and I, I do love grilled chicken, but I am not all about that bland food life, which we'll talk about later because that is the next tip. Um, but seriously, pick the foods that you like. Here's some examples. First things first, pick two to three proteins to have on hand. I always have protein powder, for example. All right. So I don't even have to prep that. It just comes to me. It's delivered and it comes to me. Now from the grocery store, I always pick bison. Bison is a big uh, bonus here in Colorado. Very easy, very accessible protein option here. And we always usually have chicken thigh and chicken breast that are grilled or sometimes sauteed. Uh, the bison's usually sauteed or it's made into like little bison burgers, which are amazing. Um, other ideas, turkey. You like turkey? Do you like seafood? Do you like eggs, egg bakes? I'm huge on egg bakes. We do egg bakes every morning because I want to make my first meal of the day, not overwhelming. And I want it to be simple and I want it to be easy and not take any time. So we have an egg bake that lasts us a few days it's cooked in an egg dish. Literally, Google egg bake, egg bake recipe, healthy egg bake recipe. Google any one of those terms and it's fine. You basically add a bunch of the vegetables that you like. So for us, it's spinach, broccoli, onions, sometimes it's mushrooms, sometimes it's peppers, things like that. Put it in there, put a few eggs in there, scramble a few eggs in a bowl separately. And then um, we also add a shit ton of egg whites to it. Um, and then, and that just increases the, the, the protein amount. There's nothing wrong with whole eggs. It's just, I have 
heart issues in my family. Like the last thing I need to be doing is downing six eggs a day. Uh, so we cut the whole eggs with egg whites. It is not the end of the world, friends. Okay. You can have both eggs and egg whites. Please don't demonize a food. And that includes eggs. And that also includes egg whites. I cannot tell you how often I've had individuals, including coaches, give me a hard time because I choose to eat egg whites. It's my choice. I eat egg whites because I, I actually am a weirdo and I enjoy egg whites. So back off. <laughs> Seriously, if you're sitting here and you're judging someone on what they're eating and how they're eating, then just back off. You have more important things to worry about in your life. But seriously, pick two to three proteins to have on hand. Those are just examples that I have. I also usually have a flavored tofu on hand. It's usually a high protein tofu, which is fantastic. Uh, I get it at Whole Foods. It's like a lemon and pepper flavored tofu. They come in little cubes, very easy to reheat. Beans, seaton, you know, I I think I already said firm tofu. Like those are excellent plant-based proteins. If you happen to be vegan or any type of, uh, anywhere on the spectrum of being plant-based, Seafood. Again, I'm from Florida. Love shrimp. I love just everything. Fish. Any white fish. You know, and what's cool here, you can get the stuff frozen. You can also usually find it for more affordable prices in the frozen aisle. And oftentimes it's actually wild caught, which is going to be a little bit, a little bit heart healthy, or excuse me, a little bit, um, trying to find a way to word this a little bit higher in omega threes. How about that? (laughs) I think that's a safe way to put it versus a farm, uh, raised seafood item. Um, but yeah, pick two to three proteins to have on hand. Then you're going to pick two to three non-starchy vegetables. These include things like bagged salads, things that you don't even have to cook, uh, carrots that you're just going to chop up. And it literally takes you like two minutes to chop up a carrot, um, peppers, Brussels sprouts, whatever else sounds good to you. Then you're also going to pick two to three carbs. And these are carbohydrates are basically the starchy vegetables. So potatoes, all right, squashes. This can also include favorite fruits, rice, quinoa, tortilla shells, bread, cereals, and and so on. You see, not everything needs to even be cooked by you. They can also be pre-made and and just available for you. And like the favorite fruits that I have, you know, for me, it's blueberries and apples and bananas. Those are my standards that I always have accessible to me at, you know, an arm's length, usually. (laughs) Not right now. I'm in my office. But, you know, hypothetically speaking, in the kitchen, they're always an arm's length away, okay? And then last but certainly not least, fats are incredibly important. But what's cool with fats is they don't necessarily involve you cooking. You can cook with fat, of course, but I want you to pick a few fats. Pick, you know, again, a handful of fats to have on hand that are easy. I want you to think about things like butter, ghee, nuts, seeds, avocado, avocado oil, uh, olive oil, and so on. This can also include dressings and things that you're going to do to add flavor, which is going to be the next tip, because that's going to be the thing that will keep you coming back to eating in this bulk cooking manner, okay? So once you pick two to three things in each of those categories, then you'll basically cook those items. And again, cook them how I how I explained earlier, you know, when you're baking chicken or grilling chicken or grilling whatever, then you're also at the same time prepping and cutting other things up. You're cutting the vegetables and then you're uh, steaming some rice and like all of this can be done in tandem. So that way you're not just spending 25 minutes steaming rice and that's it. 
all you've gotten in that 25 minutes is steaming rice and maybe like YouTube, watching a YouTube video. I mean, I don't know, (laughs) or listening to this podcast, which I commend you. But I think all too often people just do one thing like, okay, great. I'm just going to grill some chicken and they're only grilling chicken when they're not actively doing something else at the same time. You can't be two places at once, but you can have two things going at the same time. Okay. Obviously safety first, you know, um, I'm fairly experienced at doing multiple things at once. Plus it's also just usually how my brain works when I'm in a kitchen. You should see me at breakfast, even though I have like pre-made breakfast stuff, I'm usually doing like three different things at once and I'm tending to, you know, one thing on the stove while I'm also doing another and making my pancakes, of course, and things like that. So please know it just takes habit. It just takes practice to get used to that. All right. So once you pick those two to three things in each category, then you'll mix and match these things, ideally in a bowl, like a burrito bowl, a la Chipotle or a Buddha bowl, if you've ever heard of one of those. And you can just plate it up and ideally, you know, add a cushion. A cushion is basically a fat for flavor. And it also helps make the meal kind of come together and more, it makes it more palatable. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier, vegetables can be bitter to the human taste, especially certain vegetables. So we need to make it more appealing in order for you to actually want to eat these vegetables. And usually fats are what helps with that, okay? You know, like take a potato, for example, even though it's very, you know, it's a lot more palatable than, I don't know, greens, collard greens or something, right? depending on if you're from the South or not, (laughs) no offense, but try to eat a dry ass baked potato. I mean, it is the most, well, first of all, it's dry and it's like, there's nothing on it. There's no cushion. There's no butter. There's no sour cream. There's, and yes, you can have sour cream. Just don't have half the container on the potato. Okay. Like have a dollop, a dollop will do you like, it's fine. This is what moderation looks like. You can have some things, you just can't have all the things. Don't have the whole container of sour cream on the potato because then you're, you know, you're just increasing your fat intake exponentially. You're basically probably having close to like what you might eat in a half a week in fat in just one serving. So you see, it's all a balance, okay? Same thing with butter. Don't put half a stick of butter on your baked potato, even though that would be amazing. You know, do a pat of butter, about an inch, an inch thick or whatever the serving is. Okay. These cushions add flavor. And again, it helps with the meal coming together. And for me, a lot of the time, the cushion for my meals is usually a pre-made tzatziki sauce that I get at the store or like hummus or guacamole or salsa or one of my favorite dressings, you know, whatever that might be in the moment. I know right now I love the fig and balsamic dressing from Whole Foods. Um, I also love Bloom Box's arugula dressing, which is like a cumin dressing. Um, and it is amazing on the arugula that I have that's bagged or just pre-made in the clamshell. So I don't have to do anything to it. Um, but those things are sometimes considered fats. So just a heads up. So sometimes your cushions that are that you're adding to the meal to enhance the flavor is also considered a fat. So if it has about 10 grams or more of fat, maybe 50, maybe closer to 15, 20 grams of fat, then count that as the fat for your meal, okay? Because again, when you're constructing a meal, generally, and this is a generalization, you're always 
excuse me, always going to want to have a protein regardless, no matter what, have a protein, even if it's a snack, it needs to be a little bit of protein in it. Okay. So protein, you're always going to want to have some sort of non-starchy vegetable, like a green or something like that. So this is again, non-potatoes. So non-starchy vegetable. Now, the only time you're not really going to want to have a green is before a workout or right before a bike ride. And that's only because it adds roughage and it adds volume to that meal. And that can create some digestive distress when you're actually physically moving and and working out and being active. It can just cause some upset stomach and things like that. And also slows down the digestion of the carbs and things like that. But at a minimum, you should always have protein and a vegetable, except if it's pre-workout meal, okay? If it's around your workouts, definitely, definitely make sure that you have some sort of carbohydrate. You know, this is when the starches come in play. Potatoes are great. Fruits, rice, quinoa, all of that stuff. Tortillas, like that stuff is fantastic. Cereal, I mean, hey, don't don't shoot the messenger here. But sports nutrition and health nutrition are two different things. So if you're right before an event, yeah, I'm a real big fan of having a little bit of cereal. You know, whether it's like the gram... Uh, God, cinnamon toast crunch or like a graham cereal. I'm real big on any type of graham graham cereal, like Cascadian Farms graham cereal. It's amazing. Uh, I also have some clients who love Puffins cereal right before a workout. And you know what? It's great because it has a little bit of carbs, makes you happy. And the rest of your day doesn't consist of bowls and bowls and bowls of Puffins cereal. So it is not the end of the world, friends. <laughs> Please think of it that way. Um, but yeah, every every meal should always have protein, non-starchy vegetable, and then add in some carbs, especially around your workouts and your bike rides and things like that. And then add in a fat, you know, should have about 10, 20 grams of fat per meal, uh, usually at a minimum, okay? Unless you're kind of sensitive to fats and maybe you, you know, don't have some organs. Maybe you've had some organs removed and that impacts your uh, ability to digest said fats. So just be careful, you know, if you've ever had your gallbladder removed and things like that, or any pancreatic stuff. Um, All right. Tip number three, add flavor. For the love of everything in life, add some damn seasoning to your food. Seriously, life is too short to eat bland food. Plus seasoning makes meals a lot more appealing and it also increases your willingness to eat those things. All right. So when I'm talking about seasoning, some of those sauces that I just mentioned a moment ago, like the tzatziki and hummus and things like that, that can also technically count a little bit as seasoning, but I would love for you to go a step further and start to add some salts and and peppers and things like that. Now, of course I understand salt, you know, people think negatively of salt and salt, let's just say more, more research needs to be done on, on sodium, even around high blood pressure and things like that. And this is coming from someone who used to have high blood pressure. Um, it's one of those situations where if you're a sweaty athlete and you are active throughout the week, it is going to be very beneficial for you to have some sort of sodium intake in your food. All right. Especially if you're not consuming electrolytes and things like that. Okay. So add some flavoring. And, you know, even if it's like a dash of oregano or something like it can be very simple or maybe some add slice up some chives to have with your potato, whatever it is for you that speaks to you. It, it really goes so far to, to have some flavoring. And of course, seasoning makes it easy, but you can also add some other things like garlic, you know, some fresh garlic or 
uh, even the chopped garlic that's in olive oil that you see in the in the grocery store you know it comes in those little glass jars that's fantastic sometimes i'll just put a little uh, teaspoon of that the chopped up garlic and olive oil in a pan and i will add some like a handful or two of spinach and i'll saute that down that's a great aroma great flavor and that sauteed spinach goes along with my salmon and my rice that i'm having you know for a meal so i have my vegetable with the spinach i have my protein with the salmon and then i also have some fat in that salmon but i do have a little bit of fat in that olive oil and garlic concoction that i just put on the pan for the spinach and then i have a carb with the rice so that is a perfectly balanced meal okay and also the you know the garlic uh, olive oil amazingness that I use to cook the spinach in is my cushion for that meal. So just to give you an idea and that way you can kind of visualize it a little bit. All right. So that's it friends. Those were the top three tips plus a couple of bonus tips just to kind of help you meal prep without losing your mind. And I'll go over them real quick again. Again, tip number one, Pick a couple of days a week to prep for about an hour each. Give yourself an hour. Set a timer. Give yourself an hour. Boom. Go. Then pick two to three staples you will prep for each category of a meal. Remember, it's proteins, non-starchy vegetables, carbs, and fats. Okay? Four categories right there. Pick two to three in each. And then don't forget to add flavor. The flavor is really what's going to help you find things more appealing and keep you coming back to this habit and building it. And that way it really solidifies as a strong habit for you. All right. So I know this was a lot. If you did find it helpful, please share it with your friends. Sharing is caring, right? And if you do feel like you need some more one-on-one customized guidance on nutrition and how to make it work for you, then please reach out to me and apply to work with me using the link in the show notes. I, as a coach, meet you where you're at. I'm a certified health coach. That is my job. My job is to help you establish good behaviors and solid behaviors rather around things that you want to build and around habits that you want to build towards the goals that you have. And my goal is to help you conquer some obstacles that you might experience. And I want you to do that like a champ so you can become self-sufficient and insanely empowered along the way. Again, the link, I'm going to put it in the show notes and I'd love to hear from you if you're interested in that. Anyways, that is it for today. Much love to you all and I will catch you next week and I hope you have a beautiful day.